Dean, welcome to the Laughing Monkey Music Show. Today we have Mike Scovone. How are you? Okay, I'm doing well. I'm glad you're on. As we were talking a little bit before, um, I actually didn't realize. I knew of you being in the Yardbirds. I knew also of you in Doughboys. I didn't realize you were in Ram GM, so it's kind of a fun fact for me. We'll talk about it for a minute, but we don't have to keep on that. I want to really talk about your main band, which is the Doughboys, which are fantastic. You have a couple albums out, and I think you have Seven. a new album. How many? Seven. Seven? All right. I thought you were... <laughs> I only counted six, and I think I miscounted something. Well, there's a live there's a live DVD concert that we did. Okay. Like... There you go. You win. <laughs> um but early on you started in 64 right uh the doughboys originally started 64 i joined yes. them in 65 that's a, a very interesting story too because i was in a um a rival band i was the drummer in a rival band uh called the apollos they were called the ascots at that point and um we we basically were vying for positions to play all the high school dances back then in the 60s. And what happened was um, our lead singer at the mm -hmm. time, because I was a drummer, um, he would play. He also played drums. He played keyboards. He was a very, um, very talented guy, played trumpet. Freaking guy was amazing. He's still doing a lot of trumpet gigs right now. But anyway, he... Um, on a couple of songs, he wanted to play drums. So I let him play drums and I would go up front and sing, you know, and, uh, but most of the singing I did before that would be behind the drums while I was playing. And so I, I was always into performing to me. I thought, you know, if you just stand there and sing, you know, I could go, I could listen to the record and get the same thing, you know? Right. And so when I, would get up in front, I would just like, I'd dance all over the place like a lunatic, basically, you know, I, I don't know how to dance, but I did, you know. It's rock and roll. And, yeah, exactly. It's rock and roll. You can do whatever you want. So what happened is um, the guitar player and the drummer, Richie Heyman, which you probably know as Richard X. Heyman, I would yep. guess. Yeah. He, uh, they were at uh, one of the gigs where I stepped up front because they had never seen the band before. Other than, you know, when we had uh, auditions to try to get a gig, you know, right, right. I was always behind the drums then. So they they saw me come up front and start dancing around and they were like, holy crap, <laughs> who is this guy? So what happened was um, that was in, in the summer. And at the end of the summer, what was happening at that point is uh, our guitar player and... Um, and the lead singer were going into college. So they were going away. They weren't going to be around anymore. And um, so the band basically broke up. And then I'm sitting in the backyard of our bass player's house on the swings one day. And Richie, who I'd never really known and hadn't yeah. met him, came back. And, and we're sitting on the swings, just kind of swinging back and forth and talking about music. And he's like, well, what are you going to do now that... Uh, now the Apollo's broken up because, you know, everybody knew what was happening. And he's, uh, so I said to him, well, you know what? I really want to, I'm really thinking I want to get up front and sing. And he goes, wow, that's funny because we're thinking we need a front man. So long story short, that's how I became the lead singer in the Doughboys. And that was in 65. Totally meant to be, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It was, 
It was amazing. Can I ask though, had you just become a singer? And it's funny, there are a couple of drummers that are also really good singers, and drummers are kind of neat, uh, a neat mixture, you know. Had you done a lot of like family singing or like church or, or school choir singing? Like, where did the singing come from? All of a sudden, you're like, I'm gonna sing. You just, or you that just, was it. that was it. You just said, I'm gonna sing, and you got up in front, and, and that was it. Yeah, I just decided <laughs> I was gonna sing. That was it. You know, I figured if I could sing from behind the drums, right. you know, I'm doing the same thing, only I'm standing up now, which is actually easier to sing than well, sitting. Your, your diaphragm is in a better spot. Exactly, yeah. I give a credit lead singers, people that are playing drums and singing while sitting down. It's like, <laughs> you got to have like Louis Armstrong, like lungs and stuff, because that's like insanity for me, you know, <laughs> the power to perform and sing. Um, well, yeah, I, I've... Uh... I also had a couple shows. One of the bands I played with later on after the Doughboys broke up, um, I, I played drums in this uh, country rock band. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would have to play harmonica on a couple songs. So I would be playing drums and harmonica and singing. You know, not not singing while I was playing harmonica. But it was very yes. interesting, you know. It was, hey. I always had a problem with those harmonica holders. Because they would always fall, you know. I, oh, yeah. I, you'd be constantly like trying to catch up. <laughs> That's another instrument, like, and you you play that. You're insane with that. Like, you're fantastic. I, you know, I think you should be really known for that too. As a matter of fact, because there's not a lot of harmonica players that are but played through the years, you know, as long and as well, and are still playing as well. Like, you haven't changed. And people, please, after this, check out. You know, go to the website because the website will be here. Whether it's you listen to the podcast or watching us on YouTube, you crazy kids watching us do the video, <laughs> watch the, go to the website, watch the videos and you can see it. It's, it's really, it's really good. It's really entertaining. And, um, you jam on, on harmonica and that's kind of a lost art nowadays, you know? Yeah. Well, it really thank is. You. I appreciate that. It's, um, you know, it's kind of funny because, uh, the lead guitar player in the Doughboys was the one who showed me how to bend notes. Mm -hmm. And, um, once I learned, I literally, when I was 17 years old, I got my car, my license, and I would drive around with a harmonica in my mouth the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I would, uh, that's basically how I learned to play was just fooling around. And then, you know, I started listening like I was, uh, you know, again, 65 uh, was the first time I saw the Rolling Stones live, one of their first uh, tours of the United States. Mm -hmm. And Brian Jones just blew me away the way he played harmonica. Right. Well, you know. He was so good, and he, you he know, was he so good at everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. He was he was too good, <laughs> but <laughs> he um he was a very big influence on me. First picking up the harmonica, and uh, you know, really catching the blues. He had a real um, feel for what the old blues guys used to do. Mm -hmm. You know, before the Chicago blues became big, and everybody was playing through uh, through amps. You know, right. which I never did until I actually joined um the yardbirds yeah i always played straight into my vocal mic and you know it's kind of funny because um keith relf never played through an amp either i think he might have a couple times in the studio but yeah. a lot he always played into the vocal mic and it's uh, just a different sound it's just like he it's like an effect or a pedal it's just something just a little bit different yeah. the flavor yeah. really if you can't play you can't play no matter what you know what i mean but <laughs> but, but but playing like through a vocal mic and really playing it live acoustically without any effects is a lot more a lot less forgiving and it really shows you know the oh skill. yeah sure yeah. less forgiving but you still got you still got to know what you're doing 
Oh, no, of course, of course. <laughs> well, well that's, the, that's the whole point is it says a lot more, though, to be able to do that. Um, yeah. And, and the fact that you, but you had to have known to play. I mean, there's like three schools of thought, I think, for like playing any instruments. Either you're, mm -hmm. either you're just, you, you play a, a lot and you just not, some, you just, some people just aren't good. Or you just work really hard and you get good at it from just working really hard. And there's some people that are just so good at everything, they just touch it, like, you know, like a prince or somebody, you know, saying any, any artist <laughs> that just touches something right. and they can just play automatically. You know, and I think the, the I think you're probably in the school of in the middle where you had to work hard at it, but you also have that, mat, that musical, uh, you know, skills that are already in you. So it just needed a little bit of a provoking <laughs> to jump into it, you know? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think that's true. It's um, it, because, and harmonica especially is, is very much a feel instrument, which is why you hear so many different styles. Um, you know, for instance, you could talk to people about Chicago blues and that real heavy gruff sound that they get out of their amps. But there's so many different styles within that. I mean, when you listen to guys like, um, Paul Butterfield, who was yep. one of my first inspirations as far as that style of harmonica playing, you know, yeah. through an amp and stuff. He just blew me away. He he was just incredible. That guy died way too young, you know. He should have he should have affected a lot more people in his life, you know, but his life was just too short. And he was one of those guys that really introduced me to Chicago blues. Mm -hmm. um, I had heard it before. But I didn't hear it the way he played it until I heard him play. You know, he he was amazing. To me, I mean, I love harmonica, but it has to be I'm very picky about it. Like I couldn't, first of all, I couldn't even touch it. I couldn't do it. The most I could do is I probably hold, like you driving with it. I could hold out the window to maybe make a sound. <laughs> I am not gonna pretend I can make a sound. But to me, harmonica is like it's like when you play slide guitar. You either do it yeah. really well or it's just awful. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And to me. Like you playing it, like you you actually in in the Doughboys, you listen to the band. To me, it feels very it has a Brit rock flavor, without being British rock. It has a feeling, in a way, that genuinely sound like the Stones had. And it's not it doesn't sound like the Stones, but it's the Stones is the sounds the Stones had also adopted. They just were more popular mm -hmm. with it. It's that sound where it's kind of like it's a big sound. There's a lot of space for the vocals because there's no effects, and every instrument has its place. But it has this melody that just runs through it with each instrument, you know, yeah. and it has a continuity that just you're like, oh, but it feels simple, but it's not. Also, does it mm -hmm. make sense to you? Like it has a an underlying complexity. Yeah, I mean, it's rock and roll. I mean, <laughs> it's I mean, I know. Have you really not listen to it? it? You know, I mean, I, I when I watch or listen or read reviews from different writers, I, I'm amazed at the things they come up with because. I mean, I, I, I would never be able to come up with some of the adjectives that they come up with to explain, for instance, even our albums and the right. sounds on those albums. And I just wonder, like, how did they get that far into it? To me, I just play. I, and, and, and I don't consider myself to be a great musician by any means. Uh, in fact, I consider myself to be a very lucky hack. <laughs> and... Um, but I, I just love to play, you know, and that's the thing that really has driven me all along. It's not, it's not, you know, trying to make a living at it. I really never tried to make a living at it. I've always done it because I love it. And even now I don't make a living at it. I, I do other stuff to, to pay my bills and yeah. and doing that all along. And that's the best advice to anybody listening. If you're a musician, don't do it for money. You do it because you love it. I do that's the show. Right. I do the show. I don't make money off of it. I do it because I love it. 
and I want to support artists like you that people should listen to. That's it. I, it's, I have no end game. It's just I enjoy music. I enjoy your music. I want more people to listen to your music. You know, it's that's it. <laughs> it's like two people. It's two of us. No, it's two let's of get us. More, let's get more of us now. <laughs> um, yeah. But that's the truth. Is like, it, and that's what it really comes down to: is the love of music. But I think what happens is, like, the simplicity of you just writing a song. Some people write a lot of music, and they know I don't know what these keys are, or I don't know what this is when they play guitar. A lot of the mm -hmm. best musicians can't read music; they play guitar. Right. I talk to more guitar players, and they're like, never had a lesson. They go, I'll be honest with you, I can't even read music. And they've written these things and these chords that are just like, you're like, what are you, like, you know what I mean? The way other people could analyze it, you're like, I don't know what that is. They're like, I don't know, it just sounds good. And you're like, <laughs> in fact, the musicality of that song, the way you did it, shouldn't sound good, but it sounds good because there's something about it. Right. Because If you knew to follow the rules, it probably wouldn't even go on there. And, yeah. and that's what it goes to you with rock and roll, where it's like, if it sounds good, it sounds good. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You know, it's, if it's if it feels good, if it sounds good, it should feel good. Mm -hmm. And if it sounds good and it feels good, there's nothing else to talk about as far as I'm concerned. It did. So <clears throat> you, you actually, so for the Dell Boys, have actually, so what happened? You guys actually had taken, uh, ended, and then you you had some time that's in between. I was yeah, a lot we of time. From, but... It's funny because our timeline, not that I was in it, uh, but the timeline of the Doughboys was from 64 to 68. The timeline for the Yardbirds was 64 to 68 before they broke up and then reformed. We reformed, and that's a that's a funny story. I don't know if you've ever talked to Richie about this, but mm -hmm. um, what happened was, you know, we basically went our ways. Um, I, I, I got into Ram Jam at one point, you know, and I uh, was lead singer with them for, that was a minute, literally. I mean, that, that band, one hit wonder and uh you know died out like a shooting star but <laughs> at any rate uh, i around 19 i want to say somewhere around 1980s into the 1990s late 80s into the 90s i started i hadn't talked to anybody in the doughboys for a long time probably a good 15 years at least and i went i was working as a painter painting houses and stuff. And I stopped at this uh, coffee place around the corner from my house. And I see they got an Aquarian. I don't know where you live, but it's a New Jersey magazine. Uh, rock okay, magazine. Yeah. yeah. And I see in the corner, there's this little thing that says, uh, Richard Heyman, live interview. And I'm like, Richard X Heyman. I never I knew him as Richard X Heyman. I knew him as Richie. <laughs> That's how everybody knew him in the Doughboys. And we still call him that to this day. But I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, nah, that can't be, right? So I, I grab the magazine, I pay for it, and I'm, I go and I'm reading it. And I find about what he's doing, you know, that he's living in the city and he's doing cat rescues and he's playing gigs in the city. And he had a couple albums that he had done by then. So I, I contacted him, you know, because back then you used yellow pages to find right. people right so they had uh, his address i think i couldn't i couldn't find it because i was living in new jersey he was in new york so i called the operator which nobody knows what that is anymore which you could do i'm, I'm in connecticut so i'm not that <laughs> far from there so yeah the whole tri-state yeah and uh you know and i asked information and i got his number and i called and i was talking to nancy and then uh his wife and then I eventually got to talk to Richie and he, you know, I asked him what he was doing, where he was playing. 
Mm-hmm. And so I would go into the city to see him every now and then. And he did a couple gigs in Hoboken that I went to. And, you know, I was just enjoying listening to his music. You know, I wasn't, had nothing about, at that point, I wasn't even playing music myself. I was like, I had got burnt out. But at any point, <laughs> at any rate, what happened was, um, I think it was his 49th birthday. It wasn't even his 50th birthday. Nancy called me and said, do you know how to find the other Doughboys? And I said, yeah, I pretty much talk to them every now and then. Yeah. So she goes, um, I want to do a surprise party for Richie and have you guys come in and be set up on the stage in this place. And then, you know, he'll come in and be surprised and blah, blah. So I said, yeah, let me get a hold of him and see. So what we did was I got a hold of uh, Willie and I got a hold of Mike Caruso. Mm-hmm. And because I play drums, what we did is we rehearsed a bunch of songs that we used to do in high school because right. it's the first time we played since high school. And we just picked 10 songs because we figured that would make a reasonable set. Yeah. And it was stuff that we all could play and remember. And so we went over them in my basement and, you know, just kind of got the arrangements and everything back up. And we, I think we rehearsed once or twice. And then, so the thing was, we just went and set up. She got Arlene's grocery in New York City, as uh, to let us play for an hour before they actually opened their sets. Mm-hmm. So we went in there, and um, we set up and everything. And he comes and he sees on the marker, marquee the Doughboys, and I guess he's wondering, what the heck? Which Doughboys are these? <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing about that is the name. I found like five different bands. Yeah, there is. Yeah, you know, it's it, it's crazy. Um, and I don't know why anybody would want that name because I never liked it personally. But at any rate, so he comes in, he gets on stage, and it was like we never stopped playing. It was the, it was like magic. It was the most amazing thing. Now, and that was just supposed to be it. It was going to be a one-off for his birthday. And, can, I, uh, can I ask you one thing? If I'm sorry, had you been practicing, or the other members playing? Now he's been playing a lot, so him jumping in is probably a musical standard. But you said you were taking a break from music a little bit. Yeah, I was members too. Were you playing your drums at all? Were they just dusty in the basement? Like, were you just uh, singing in the car? You know what I'm saying? Like, what shape were you guys in? And then you guys got together and jumped in with him, like, yeah, in, I in think, the mindset. Well, Willie had been doing, um, he had been playing all along. He actually got into some country music. He, been, he had put out a country album. Mm-hmm. Mike Caruso would just do pickup gigs with whoever okay. he could at any time. You know, myself, the only time I play, I played drums in my, uh, my church's worship team so that was the only all right so you guys were doing a little something you weren't totally just yeah we weren't totally cold doing nothing okay okay. um but you know just a couple of rehearsals of doing that those songs that we hadn't even thought about singing for 20 30 years whatever it was um that was it you know it was i think it was august yeah august of 2000 is when we did that show and then the, the guy at Arlene's Grocery asked us if we'd be willing to come back. And we were like, we're not really a band anymore, you know? But we thought, well, what the heck? If yeah. Just do that. The 10 songs that we did, we could do that, you know? So we did that. And then uh, a guy from Manitoba, uh, Manitoba, he, he used to be on Little Stevens Underground Garage as one of the DJs, but he had a place called Manitoba's on Avenue B. And he came and asked us if we'd play there. And one thing led to another. And next thing we know, we're playing almost every weekend in New York City as at these little clubs. And, yeah, you know, that's basically how the band got back together in 2000. 
And That's we lasted amazing. until 2019. Wow. Yeah. 19 so wait, years. You, that's it? So wait, are you guys gone now or done or what? Uh, we're, we're not doing anything actively. Done, done, or? <laughs> well, we don't know. <laughs> anything can happen. I Honestly, what happened was um, I started feeling, um, you know, being a lead singer and being a front man, there's a lot of weight on me. And I'm, I will not have a music stand or an iPad or anything where I have to read the lyrics off of. And we were playing, we were starting to play and just do like two, three hours straight up, straight ahead. I, I don't like taking breaks. Once we start, I want to just keep going. And after a while, it was just starting to wear on me singing for two or three hours straight. Um, oddly enough, not so much on my voice, but on my brain, remembering mm -hmm. all those lyrics for all of those songs. Yeah. You know? And uh, plus, we were we were constantly learning new songs because of the albums we were putting out. So it wasn't like, you know, once you learn 20 songs, you're good. You know, <laughs> it was like 20 songs. Now we're adding 10 more. And now we're adding 10 more. And, you know, and, and then, you know, it was always me that had to put the set together and decide which songs we use, which songs we don't use. Because probably um, when I quit the band, which was October, it was right after our last gig, October of 2019. Um, I just said, you know, I just, I told everybody when I got in, I said, I'm doing this because I love it. I'm doing this because it's fun. If it stops being fun, I'm going to stop doing it. And because I was feeling so much pressure, it stopped being fun for me. But that was so your I, pressure though, right? Huh? It was, these were all your things that you've brought up. These are all things that you It was all me. Up. Yeah, it was, it was all, you know. It was, Maybe I, you need to pull yourself aside, talk to yourself and realize. <laughs> <laughs> Give yourself a break and, and just yeah. enjoy singing a couple songs with some friends. I mean. Right. Well, that and that's why, you know, and that before all of this happened, because I joined the Yardbirds in 2015. So I was doing Yardbirds shows and doing our shows. And, and, and maybe that had something to do with it because I realized, first of all, we're playing in front of much bigger audiences. Mm -hmm. um, we're playing basically the same songs that, you know, different orders and different right. stuff coming in now and then, but for the most part, and I wasn't singing a lead now. I'm just a side guy playing percussion, harmonica, and doing background vocals. And man, it was a, it was like the easiest gig I've ever had in my life. And, except I, for except for Ram Jam. Well, also, you were doing the same thing. Oh, Ram Jam, yeah, yeah. But that, I was still the front man, you know. I know. But it wasn't it wasn't the same. Uh, the Doughboys, I felt like it was just carrying a lot of weight for a long time. That's a lot of, of songs for an artist to carry at this point in your career. Mm -hmm. That's that That's a... That's the Beatles in Germany doing sets and learning new music in your 18 and 20 years old. But that's not something a band does at this point in your life. You don't need to. It becomes right. like it's, your brain doesn't work that way. Mine doesn't. I can't tell you what I had for dinner last night. Like, I, don't even know, I don't even know my kids' names. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, to put that kind of stress on yourself when you're, like, not needed. And, and, you, and you know... Being in the Yardbirds and doing, doing that music, you know the fans want X amount of certain songs, and, and, and a band like the right. Yardbirds can't escape from it. They can't. They, can't. they no. have a legacy set list, and they can probably sneak a few things in once in a while, mix it up a little bit, but really, that's the audience. So you enjoy it as it is. 
You've got a, yeah, different, a different pleasure where each tour you could go, you know what? This will be our new set of 15 songs, five other songs we can learn just to rotate them to mix it up mm-hmm. and chill. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You could really kind of give yourself a break a little bit. And I have never, uh, in, since 2015, I mean, again, we had two and a half years of doing nothing because of the whole COVID mess. But we, um, I have never felt bored on the stage with the Yardbirds. I never felt bored on the stage ever. Right, but yeah. Doughboys or whatever. But the fact that we're we're only doing like, now as opposed to, I mean, we had over 50 original songs with the Doughboys when I quit, Mm -hmm. probably 60. And plus we probably had another 50 cover songs that we would do, you know, and circulate. But with the Yardbirds, there's probably about 20 songs and we do a 15, 16 song set. Right. You know, and... I, it, it, it's always fun for me. It, it's, you know, it's, and you would think just the opposite. You would think that it would stop being challenging and that it wouldn't be as much fun because it's not challenging, but it's always challenging and it's always fun for me. And I, I don't even know how to explain that, but it, it is. I get that. I get that what could be very fun. It's more of an, of an artist's opinion of how they feel doing it. To me, mm-hmm. watching it and, and playing like garage bands and stuff, right. I've always just enjoyed doing music whether it's playing guitar alone i just enjoy it but i've never had to do it professionally every night after night and like have to like be in a car all day with somebody or a bus and be in a, and be in a bad mood and be like somebody hasn't showered or something crazy next to you and you're ready to strangle them and then you go up on stage with them i haven't been there though so i can't speak for that you know what i'm saying um yeah. i've only had it under under the situations where i've enjoyed it so i think I would love to see you guys, you know, get back out there. I mean, I've, I've yet to see you guys. I mean, you're close to me, so hopefully at a point I will be able to see you guys play again because, you know, as COVID's opened up the world again for me. <laughs> yeah, for me, the, you know, the Doughboys has always been um, my favorite band to play with. They And they, they always will be, you know, and that's not a slight on the Yardbirds by any means because, you know, they were one of my heroes growing up. And it's a different band. The Yardbirds and the Doughboys sound totally different. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's just something about, you know, the makeup. Gar Francis is the, has been the guitar player in the Doughboys from, I think, 2000, 2004, because Willie passed away mm-hmm. in, in early 2004. So Gar fit in, and Gar fit in so well. And plus, he, he's the one that actually pushed us to be writing songs and doing our own music which is how we started putting out albums and, you know, got little Steven's attention. And uh, so he had a lot to do with, um, you know, being the newest member and also the youngest member of the band. Uh, He had a lot to do with uh, the fact that we actually got the airplay. He, um, he was, he was really good for the band, but, you know, I can't think of four other guys I'd rather play with or three other guys, I should say, because it's only a four man band. And that's always tough for a guitar player to have to carry that when all you got is a drummer and a bass player and nobody playing rhythms behind you. But that also speaks to how good of a rhythm section Richie and Mike Caruso are. Mm -hmm. They're phenomenal. I mean, I'm pretty sure we could throw together a gig without even rehearsing and they would still blow people away because those guys are just that good. I think you should consider. I mean, I, I think I see it in your eyes still. I see. I think you're. You know, I think you just got to enjoy yourself more and take it. For yeah, a I got. I got to find a way. If I can find a way to set up 
a solid gig. You know, the odd thing about the Doughboys is even with all the airplay we were getting on Little Stevens Underground Garage, we still weren't pit, we weren't pulling what I would call a big audience. You know, I mean, if we got if we got over a hundred people, we were feeling pretty good. But even that, you know, at some times, I mean, there were some, even after like three or four albums were out where we, you know, we'd play a place in New York City and maybe have 30, 40 people. Really? We played one, we played one gig. I, could, I couldn't believe it. We played this one gig and I, I think there were like eight people in the audience and most of them were people we knew. <laughs> it's crazy because like with the standards and with the, the, um, the lineage that you guys have as artists, that you need a manager that would get you some of those industrial gigs where you make the money, you kind of go in to play these events and these things. You guys are the quality that can go in and do these things, you know, those yeah. kind of events with those kind of the, between the covers and the original and the energy. And that's totally the audience because this is, we're, you know, little Asian, but like I'm in my fifties. This is the, um, the age that has the money. This is the group. This is the companies that has right. the, the cash to do this stuff, you know, I think there's a space when kids get out of college or whatever. It's a hard audience to hit. You know what I mean? Everyone's mm -hmm. kind of scrapping. I just think it's you're hitting the wrong audience. I think you need a manager to hit you up there. You know, that that's, was that that's was really the, like it. That's really what held us back more than anything. There were two things that held us back: not having a manager because we were a DIY band. We did everything ourselves. Um, and the other thing was, <clears throat> neither Richie or Gar would get on a plane. So it limited where we could go. Right. You know, and the furthest we did, we went, um, we did a short uh, tour going down to um, Atlanta, uh, Atlanta, Georgia. We did a, a festival down there and we set up a bunch of gigs along the way, but we were able to drive that, yep. you know, so that we were hitting a place here, a place here, played some record stores and did stuff like that. And, um, you know, that that was good. And I think all the guys felt good about it. It wasn't it wasn't like we were, it was a high paying game. We, we yeah. basically cost us a little bit to do it, but it was fun. It was great, you know. And that was one of the things, too, for me. It was like I just felt like the fact that we couldn't pull in as many people as I thought the band deserved to have. Um, and the fact that we couldn't get out of the area. Mm -hmm. And not having a manager that could do that with us. I think a lot of managers probably wouldn't have taken us on because we wouldn't travel. Maybe. I, I think, I do think though, like corporate wise, like I know other bands that do like corporate music or whatever, they do like old style rock and roll. Mm -hmm. You guys are authentic and you guys sound good. You know what I mean? And that's just well, from, we're like, from the 60s. I know you are, but you guys <laughs> sound really good. And you're the kind of music like where people go like, some of these big corporate events, they could go in and you could do a couple thousand of like their employees and you could just do a show for them, you know, make right. some change. And you're the kind of music where they don't have to know all the songs. It just sounds good. And that's like a lot of the music from the 60s or from like Little Steven's Garage. You don't have to even know the songs. Right. Halfway through it, you're like, I get it. I like it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. It's not like you have exactly. to go to school to learn all this music, you know, to be a fan. I don't know. To me, it feels like, you know, you need a manager that would knows where to work the, the gigs, get you guys back into it. A couple of gigs like that a year would be sweet for you guys to play. Oh, we would love to do something like that. You know? That would be the way to go, you know. Yeah. You guys have it already. You guys are like, you know, and it's hard because I don't think anybody does those those gigs like you're talking about anymore. I think it's really hard, you know. It is, yeah. It's package deals and festivals and flyouts and boat cruises for a lot of 
other rock bands from the 70s and 80s, which is a yeah. sweet deal because before everyone's just driving from town to town, you know, rehitting the same market. So nobody's going out, you know, next extra town for gas money. So, you know, you got you just got to find your sweet spot. And, and you, either that or you're going to play guitar because so you, you, you got a lot of songs you want to write still, right? <laughs> <laughs> you need a band. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Well, I've been having fun with the Yardbirds. I really, they're a really great bunch of guys. And uh, and again, I love the music. You know, it's just, I've always loved their music. So, you know, for me, it was, I tell people, it wasn't even on my bucket list. You know, when I, when I got the call to try out, it was like, and I didn't even have to try out, try out. Who called uh, you? Jim. Did I call you? Uh, Jim called you? Jim called you? Yeah, he just went on YouTube and looked at some of the stuff. And actually, we opened for them at, at one point at BB King's. Okay. He's a really sweet guy. I had him on with his probably, uh, as you know, he had a book out a while ago. Right. Had a really good, really good talk about that. You know, what he went through with COVID and his passing of his wife. And right. really, really, up, really uplifting story. So, you know. I feel it's probably, you know, obviously talking to you, a really good bunch of guys to play with, too. It seems like it's a nice nice group to be with. Yeah. He's a good guy. He's what, he's really a gentleman. What about you doing some stuff on your own? Like having a bunch of your musician friends doing like a, like a solo-ish <laughs> album, kind of like a collective thing? I mean, you know, you're a musician, man. How could you not? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's... Um... I have dreams about that every so often, but getting people together, and and you may not know it, but I moved out of New Jersey, so I'm not even in that area anymore. Okay. I'm actually in Austin, Texas area, where there's a million musicians here. Yeah, but you know, it's like any place else. When you're a new guy in town and you're trying to break in and get to know people, um, it, it's been a little rough. You know, um, I really haven't reached out. I've met some musicians. I've met different guys here and there. But I haven't really tried to, um, you know, to get out there. One of the problems I have, I mean, I would love to go do some of these open mic uh, nights. Yeah. But I'm at that age where driving at night. <laughs> I'm actually, I agree. Yeah. You probably don't know about this yet. But no, I do actually. I'm. I glasses all my life, so I'm like, I'm yeah, done. yeah. It's it, it's you know what it is. It's oncoming lights that get me. Yeah. I go blind literally, and that's not good. <laughs> When you're driving, you're driving. You, need to, you need someone to drive with you. So, yes. Exactly. Yeah. Well, usually my wife will usually go with me wherever I go, but um, not always. You know, sometimes she just doesn't isn't up to it. You know. And I, I think. That. I mean, there's a lot of talent in Austin too. That would be fantastic. Oh, be really yeah. interesting to have some of that Austin Texas flair added to your blues. That would be kind of a neat sound too. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I've met some guys. You know, I'm not pushing anything, but I think something will eventually. There's got to be some young guitar slingers out there that would love to work with you. That would be, you know. Yeah, one of them is my chiropractor plays guitar. Really? <laughs> really? That I met out here. Guys, he's a good guitar player, too. Sings, has a decent voice, you know. So <laughs> anything can happen. It can, and I want to encourage that. Um, so, so I want people to check out all of your stuff and obviously check out the Doughboys and stuff and, and, and follow you and, and keep after you because as things come up, hopefully you'll post it on your Facebook page also. Yes. I tell you, the, the was weirdest thing for me, and, I'm, and I, the thought is like when I knew you were in, like I said, I seen Ram Jam and I was like, I didn't understand. I'm like, why is this, the guitar player singing with the singer off to the side? It was like the weirdest thing for a video. <clears throat> that, and then of course, you know, um, as much fun as how we had playing bass, the expression, I, that would be like everyone's 
if I could feel that happy in my life, I would be yeah. the best. <laughs> that movie that he captures right there, you can't watch it. That smile. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, I don't know anything about the situation. But all I know is <laughs> I see somebody having that much fun. I'm like, you can't not smile. But then, like, you're also singing, like, with the Yardbirds, co-singing, or, you know, like I'm saying, you're not the main right. singer again. And then, like, I heard, listen, I listened to Garage Underground, too. So, like, I heard you guys, but I didn't put it all together yeah, as being you. So when I connected the dots, I was like, oh, my God. It's so funny <laughs> how you were like, but in two bands, you were, like, singer, but also kind of on the side co-singer. Yeah. And then you had a bigger band that you were a huge immense amount of original music, which is really good, and you're lesser known. So it just, you know, it was bookend really weird to me. It, it is a very weird thing. And it's a very hard thing to uh, to explain to people because, you know, people hear, you know, Mike Scabone, lead singer in Ram Jam. And, and I say, yeah, I was but, the lead singer, but I didn't sing Black Betty. Right. But you do a good job, though. I've, I've You know, the clips are out there if you're doing it live. So I have fun, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, right? it was fun, you know. It was his voice, you know, it, it probably just was a decision, you know, his voice for it. But it was weird to have you sing and him, because, I mean, he's a good singer, too. But it was almost like two different singers, two really good singers for, like, that amount of music. Just felt like it was just, like, almost, like, too much. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you didn't need to have two really good singers, you know? Well, the thing is, the band was literally built around Bill. Right. You know, I, get, and I get that. And... um he he had been doing Black Betty for years in clubs and stuff, so that was his song. You know? Oh yeah, I, I get it. it I would have loved to have stolen it from him because I would, you know, I, I'd love to sing that song, and I have on, on some occasions. But it's a fun song. Everyone sings that song. I saw, I've seen Tom Jones sing that live. It's a good song. <laughs> You're it's right. A, it's a fun song. <laughs> My point is, yeah. it was very much like when you see a band and like to see the singer off to the side. I'm like, who's this guy with the tambourine? Like, I didn't get it. And then the bass players were having fun. I'm like, oh, you just got to enjoy it. It was, you know, what, what it was. <laughs> But it was like having so much talent. But looking back and listening to the album and knowing what your role was and like really getting into it, yeah. Then just seeing the video, and being like, "That's weird. Why is there one guy singing in the background? Is he a fan of the band?" Like you don't really hear it in the video, but you right. go back and you listen to the album. There's other songs that you're on. You're like, "Oh," then you're like, "Oh, well, then why is there so much two really strong singers and two albums?" Or like you know what I'm saying? It just felt like there should yeah. have been like felt like overkill. Like you know, there should have been more. Well, it is, it, it, and it was. And if you listen, yeah. I don't know if you know about the second Ram Jam album, but that is like light years away from the first one, because um, you see the other, the second guitar player in that video, yeah, Jimmy Santoro, he basically became the lead guitar player, uh, and wrote or co-wrote most of the songs, not all of them, but most of the songs on the second album, and that album has far more of a I don't know, like a more of a Zeppelin Aerosmith type feel than than what the first yeah. album had. It's just again light years removed from the first album, and most people didn't know that we even put out a second album. I, I heard it on and I, because of the way they re-released it or something. I was confused right. about like so like when I heard it together and the fact that you were the singer on some songs and the others and the way the way like you, <laughs> iTunes and Spotify like labels musicians. You're like I have no idea. I literally. <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually I could listen to and I could listen to and pick out your voice and a lot more stuff now, especially after realizing you were the singer of the Doughboys that I've heard on, you know, on the right. underground. I'm like, oh, and then go back. I'm like, oh, you know, but as a fan, listen to just that band separately. You're like, it's kind of hard to understand the whole soup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and for me, I mean, 
when I was when I was in Ram Jam, I'm trying to think, that was I think I was twenty seven, <clears throat> something like that. And uh, you know, I was young. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. You know, they put a contract in front of us and I just signed it. Yeah, sure. That's everybody did back then. That was the thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, at twenty seven, you know, what am I gonna do? Hire a lawyer. I have I came from a family with five, I have five brothers and four sisters. All right. So, you know, the last thing we did was hire anybody because we had no money. All right. But now when you're 27 trying to get, get signed, you're on YouTube or you're on social media and it's not a dick right. for them. It's just as hard, but you're trying to get viewers and, 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 and numbers. Right. I don't know. Almost getting a contract and just going on tour <laughs> and living <laughs> to regret it sounds way more fun. <laughs> <laughs> It is. And, and dealing with a disaster afterwards and apologizing. You know, it's better to yeah. apologize than ask for something, they say. Right? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's absolutely true. You know, you have some great bookends in your life, and you have a, a solid piece of work that you'd be proud of with the Doughboys. And then, you know, Ram Yam and the Yardbirds are some fantastic bands that you've been in, you know, also. But your songwriting shows with your team of all the other members that are fantastic, too. You know, yeah. all, all those guys are great. You guys are great. There's a great chemistry with that band, you know. Because we have history, you know, and that, that's a lot of it. You know, I mean, we grew up together, you know, you went through went through stuff in high school where we, you know, we were like brothers fighting sometimes and, you know, other times just like, you know, the best of friends, you know, yeah. that kind of a thing. And, and it stayed like that all the way up until I just felt I needed to get away. Yeah. <clears throat> and it was a bunch of things. There was some, I, I had, and I don't even know how to explain this. And told, I was talking to a guitar player. I had this weird sense of foreboding about the future at that point. And I don't know what it was. I've never had that before. I never like, and then, you know, a couple months later, here comes COVID. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, so we weren't going to be playing anyhow for the next couple of years. Um, but, you know, I've, I've thought about um, it would be nice to get a, a reunion together. But I, I, it would have to be. Would have to be where we get to play in front of people, right? And I would think if anybody's going to pull it off for us, that it has to be Little Steven. He'd have to be involved somehow, because he's got the clout to get an audience. You well, know. the roster he has, I don't know why he's not having annual Little Steven get-togethers or festivals. I, I, you know, I know, you know, he he, he does some stuff here um, in Austin with uh, South by Southwest. I know he right. sponsors some of the bands, but it's only the bands that are on his label. He has enough of a label that where he can just do something out in Jersey or New York or Tri-State or, or else anywhere, really, where he thinks yeah. the artist is going to be and, and do, you know, his artists, all of his artists are pretty much, you're not like going genre to genre, you know what I mean? It's fun that the kind of music because it all sounds different, you know, even though it's the same type of music, each artist sounds different, you know, just like the yeah. 80s or 70s. So it's not an overlap. He would just, he could just have a whole... You know, a whole lineup for a whole days worth of music, really. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, he he easily can. When he, I think it was the tenth anniversary of Little Steven's Underground Garage. He he put on a thing at um, the Hard Rock Cafe in New York City, and he had he had I think three bands. I was really depressed that we weren't one of them, but again, we weren't on his label. Right. And because, you know, we've had our own label from day one, we just, you know, when we when we first got back together and decided to start recording, it was like, okay, what do we do with this now? And I said, 
let's start our own record company. What the heck? You know, everybody else has done it in the past. Right. And so that's what we did. You know, and I, that was the other thing. I was managing the record company. I was managing the finances. Basically, I was running the band, you know, from, I mean, Richie's wife, Nancy, was like amazing in how much she helped us um, because she had worked for Sony Records. She was um, she was basically the right-hand lady to one of the vice presidents. She was personal secretary. And so she understood a lot more of how to put stuff out there and how to get it out there and, you know, making up one sheets and all these different things that you do to promote the band or promote an album anyhow. And she helped us tremendously. And, she, and she helped us all through the whole thing. It wasn't just in the beginning, but, you know, her input was really helpful. And truthfully, if you talk to, to Richie, he would tell you that he probably wouldn't even have a career if it wasn't for Nancy because of her ability to make things happen. She's a mover and a shaker. She's really very good at that. Well, that's, that's, that's good. I mean, yeah. there's, there's a lot of musicians that if their spouses or, you know, boyfriends or girlfriends weren't involved, they wouldn't have never recovered, you know? Yeah. Most musicians aren't very good business people. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> and because they're just about music, you know what I mean? Sometimes you yeah. have one side of the brain, the right or the left. That's it. You yeah. know, it's hard to do everything. You know that. That's, that's a crush to you. If you were yeah. just doing the fun part, you know, you oh, yeah, would be, still a lot be together. Right. If yeah. you had a manager and then you had the gigs, we'd be talking about the new Doughboys album, you know what I'm saying? But everything Man. else kind of crushed you. <laughs> You know, You'll be the first one to know. How is that? I know. You know what I'm saying? If you had everything lined up nicely for you and you could just yeah. go and be a musician and play the nice gigs, you'd be working on music still. It, it would definitely be a different world. Right. And it would be a different situation with the Doughboys because they're still, like I said, they're they're still my favorite band. Yeah. Well, the there world. is relevance. You know, and as a fan, I'd love to see you guys at least be on good terms and be able to do one-offs or something, you know. Oh, we are on good terms. That's Yeah. That's no, I mean, problem. like, to be able to still do, if you wanted to do something. I would love to know. play. <laughs> That's good. I want to thank you, man. This has been really fun. I really enjoy yeah. it. I enjoy your music, so it's been fun talking to you. Well, I thank you. I'm, I'm glad uh, I'm glad you got to hear it. <laughs> I had, and that's the thing. So I want people to check out all these different bands. I mean, and, and really what I say to people is, first off, listen to the Doughboys and listen to a lot of their albums and, and go on YouTube and look at the live videos. That you, you sound really good live. Even on a YouTube video, you sound great. You guys sound good. And then, of course, you can check out him the live stuff with the Arbors. And then, and then if you want, go back and listen to the Ram Jam albums. And then you can easily pick out what he's doing in there different with a different view and understand yeah. more of what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, the vocal situation going on, you know? It's almost like there's two different guys in the band. But there's a lot of really good material that you guys have out there, you know? And people need to check it out. And there's a website, uh, and people check out the link, you know? And, and your Facebook, too, page. Yeah, you know? yeah. Which is... It's just a music page, you know, so right. I don't go on it a lot. My no. wife has a regular Facebook page, so she goes in for me. It shows me what's going on. What's going on? I, I just do it for music, too. Mine is all music related, pretty much. So Yeah, yeah, it's great. That's the good part about it. You know, it's music and then that's it. So I want to thank everybody for watching and I hope people check you out. And if they don't know you, you know, they'll check you out. So www.thedoughboysnj.com.